Welcome to the St. James Sermon Podcast. This podcast is recorded and produced by St. James Episcopal Church, located in the Lake Highlands neighborhood of Dallas, Texas. For more information, head to stjamesdallas.org. Almighty God, give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and the will to do those things you teach us this day. In the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Today is the first Sunday in Lent. Lent is a period of 40 days, mirroring the 40 days of temptation in the wilderness for Jesus and the 40 years of wandering in the desert that Israel did after the Exodus. And we started those 40 days on Ash Wednesday, March 2nd of this year. And Lent ends with Easter Sunday, April 17th this year. And if you look at a calendar like I did, just to prove this to myself. There are 46 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday. I counted. So why do we say Lent's only 40 days? That's because every Sunday, every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus and therefore not a day in Lent. So if you gave up chocolate for Lent, I have good news for you. Today's your lucky day. Lent is a time of spiritual preparation to prepare for the celebration of the resurrection on Easter. A spiritual spring cleaning, if you will. We all know about giving up something for Lent, such as chocolate, and we do this to remind us of the things that we put in our path that hinder our relationship with God. But today, I don't want to talk about avoiding sin by avoiding those things that hinder your relationship with God. I want to talk about where sin begins. Sin does not begin with an action. It begins with a thought. It begins with an attitude. It begins with temptation. And today's gospel is about Jesus being tempted by the devil. And we named three temptations, but the scripture says all that time he was being tempted by the devil. And just names these three main ones. And these temptations are to prove himself to satisfy his hunger. The temptation to short-circuit God's plan so that Jesus can become king of the world. And to prove to the devil That he is the son of God by giving this spectacular display of jumping off the temple. Now both in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel, this story occurs right after Jesus' baptism. And the last words that Jesus hears before he goes into the temptation are from God. And they say, in Matthew, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And in Luke, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. But before I get into into temptation itself, I want to talk about, briefly, the devil. There are generally two titles that Holy Scripture gives to the devil. The first is Satan, and that's a name. It comes to us from the Hebrew, meaning the accuser. 
Satan is the one that accuses us of our sin. Think about a prosecutor in a court of law. The second word is the devil. It comes to us from the Greek word for the slanderer, the one who slanders others. Think of the prosecutor as an evil prosecutor that makes up charges, that makes up evidence, and that twists all the evidence or hides the exculpatory evidence so that he can get a guilty conviction. The devil accuses us of our sin and makes it sound worse than it actually is. Because his goal is to make us believe we are not worth loving and therefore we are not loved by God. Satan tries to get us to doubt God's love and mercy and grace towards us. Satan calls us by our sin. God calls us by our name. The truth is that there is no one who is beyond redemption. God loves you no matter what you have done, what you are doing, or what you will do in the future. He wants a relationship based with you based not on your activities, your doings, your sin, but on his love and grace. There is no sin that Jesus did not pay the penalty for on the cross. There is no one beyond redemption. Now on to temptation. Traditionally, there are three sources of temptation, and we deny them every time we celebrate a baptism. They are the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world represents our desire for wealth and self-sufficiency. Now, wealth is not in itself evil. How many people have heard that money is the root of all evil? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Inordinate desire for wealth, hoarding the wealth, not using the wealth to alleviate the suffering of others, that is evil. But the wealth itself is not evil. The second source is the flesh. This is our desire for physical pleasure in whatever form it comes. Again, pleasure is not evil. God created it. It can't be evil. But indulging in pleasure too often, or for the wrong reasons, or at the wrong times, can be evil. There can be a fine line here. When is eating donuts at church a simple pleasure? And when is it the sin of gluttony? Somewhere between two and five, I think. (laughs) The third temptation is the devil. And this is our desire for power. Power in itself, again, is not evil. But the desire for power to put other people down and not to raise them up. To lift yourself above them and think you're better than them. To use that power to inordinately enrich yourselves and your friends 
and to punish your enemies. That is evil. These temptations all show themselves to us in various ways. But there is nothing that is in itself evil. Even Satan has good in him. He has strength. He has power. He has intelligence. All of these are good. You take those away and Satan is nothing. All evil is twisted good. All temptation is desire to take a good thing in the amounts or at times or in degrees or in ways that God has said is not healthy for us. It twists the good into an evil shape. Let's look at a specific example of temptation in today's gospel. Notice that the devil starts his temptation with, If you are the Son of God... Command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Now Jesus, just prior to this, had clearly heard God say, You are my son. So this temptation is not one to satisfy his hunger, but to prove to someone else and to himself that he is God's son through this exercise of power. If he had just made bread while he was fasting, that wouldn't have been a sin. But to do it because the devil said, if you are the son of God, do this. That's the sin. Temptation often starts out with doubting who we are in God's love and grace. Now you may not hear or think or feel, if you are, fill in the blank, then you will or could, fill in the blank. What you probably hear is, it really wouldn't be that bad if I had four donuts after church. Just a different phrasing of the same line. The goal of the devil is to put us on a path away from God. At first, temptation will seem minor, harmless even. But it starts there. And it grows, and it grows until it controls us. And it puts us on a path away from God towards emptiness. It can also be tempting to do the right thing for the wrong reason. Making bread is a good thing. Feeding yourself is a good thing. Doing so in order to prove something to yourself is a bad thing. It's possible, I would say likely, that we lie to ourselves about our motivations and try to find a valid reason for doing what we want to do. The truth is that our motivations are often mixed. I get great satisfaction out of my ministry here at St. James. I love visiting with people. I love teaching Sunday school. I love preaching. I love visiting the sick and the shut-ins. I love my ministry at the Cofield Unit. I love my ministry when I go down to Austin Street Shelter. I feel closer to God when I've done those things than I do before I start. And I think this is by design. But that good feeling, that satisfaction, and that closeness to God that I feel can be like a drug. 
I chase that rather than God. Almost everything I do, I do with mixed motivations. I go to prison because I truly believe that God wants me there. But I also go because, man, it feels good when I'm there. When we realize this, that there is a temptation for us to seek God as a means to an end, rather than the goal itself, we fall into sin. And we should make our motivations the point of our confession and our prayers, asking God to deal with them. Because while we are still in this body, we are subject to the negative effects. And we're subject to sin. We need to learn to want God for himself and not for any other reason. So how can we resist temptation? There's an old saying that goes, I can resist everything except temptation. Being tempted is not itself a sin. Inviting the temptation. Dwelling on the temptation. Savoring it. These are sins. This last week I got a new grill. I love this grill. It's a Kamado grill, like the big green egg. And I posted a picture of the two pulled porks, pork butts that I put on the grill yesterday. And they look delicious. Seeing them is not a sin. Thinking, you know, if I made my own homemade sauce, and I lather them with a sauce, and I put a little coleslaw with it, or some baked mac and cheese, I could eat my weight in pulled pork. <laughs> I've just crossed over into sin. Sin, or temptation, is like anything else. The more we resist it, the easier it is to resist next time, and the harder it is to fall. And the more often we fall, the easier it is to fall next time, to give in to the temptation, and the harder it is to resist it. So how do we grow in the strength to resist? First is prayer. We need to be diligent in prayer and in meditation. And Lent is a great time to kickstart our lives in prayer. And to help us with that, St. James has put out a series of daily meditations on our Facebook page and on our home, the homepage of our website, stjamesdallas.org. These are wonderful little meditations. Take you a couple minutes to read them. Take you even longer to think about what they actually mean. And I've enjoyed them, every one of them. And I strongly recommend them to you. Prayer is where we get to know God personally. And in prayer, we come to have the strength to resist the idea that God does not love us because we know he does. The second step is study. Learning about God, learning the Holy Scriptures. Learning the tricks that Satan uses to tempt us and to get us to tempt ourselves can be very useful in resisting those temptations. And right now, St. James is offering a Wednesday morning class. Starts at 10 o'clock with Holy Communion. 
on the screw tape letters. And we have, we have the same class on Sunday mornings. It's a great class. And every time I read one of those screw tape letters, the letters are a series of letters of advice from a senior devil to his nephew, a junior tempter on his first posting out in the world. How can, how can the devil separate this person from God? Great stuff. And every time I read a letter, I go, oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, that's, yeah. If you can't attend the class, I would strongly recommend buying the book and reading it. It's about yay thick. Take you a couple days, maybe an afternoon if you're a quick reader. The third aid to resist temptation is the sacrament of reconciliation, confession. Both Father Michael and I, and any other priest in the diocese or deacon, have been trained to hear confessions. Now, priests, like Father Michael, can grant absolution. Deacons, on the other hand, can only grant what's called an assurance of forgiveness, to let you know that God forgives you. I don't have any authority in that area of myself. A trained confessor can help you identify patterns in your life, patterns of thought, that lead to actions. Help you identify those sins that particularly beset you. And it helps you put the lie to the lie Satan tells us that what we've done is unforgivable and makes us unlovable. Because at the end we hear that God loves us and he forgives us and he welcomes us back. Temptation is not sin. And we are tempted daily, almost constantly, by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we can grow in spiritual strength to resist temptation through the tools of prayer, study, and the sacrament of reconciliation. These tools become a means of God's grace in our lives to give us the strength to resist that temptation, no matter where it comes from. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining the Sermon Podcast of St. James Episcopal Church, located in the Lake Highlands neighborhood of Dallas, Texas. For information about our church and how to get involved, visit stjamesdallas.org.